Hi, and welcome to the Living Room Scripture Lessons. My name is Brad Constantine, and this set of lessons is from the Come Follow Me curriculum of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official recording of the Church, every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. There are several other Come Follow Me resources to help with your Gospel and Scripture study. These lessons tend to go a little deeper into the doctrine than most resources. Hopefully this resource will be different enough from the others that you'll come back each week. On the Living Room Scripture Lesson website is a digital version of the lessons, which has more material than can be mentioned in the podcast. You can download that PDF resource and use it as you like. As with other online resources, you can like, share, and subscribe to the podcasts. Again, welcome to this Come Follow Me resource. I hope you like it. Hi, welcome back to the Come Follow Me lesson. This is still lesson number 50, and we are now in uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 19. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. There will be many comings of Christ before the second coming. And uh, there are at least four comings of the second coming, and I'll tell you those as we get to the end of this chapter. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth and her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his saints at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his saints, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. So this is at the destruction of the wicked and how God is overthrowing all of this. Verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb, meaning Christ, is come, and his wife, meaning the church, hath made herself ready. How long does it take for a woman to get ready for her wedding? The saints are ready for the union between Christ and his people through the atonement. The church becomes ready through repentant sanctification and a heart that is fully turned to God. So we are still in the process of getting ourselves ready for the bridegroom, and we still have a ways to go. Verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. In other words, she should be endowed. Clean and white. Again, white meaning victorious. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The saints are sanctified through the atonement of Christ. We just need to remain in the mainstream of the church, the faithful plotters, as Elder Packer called them. Verse 9, And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed, here's the fourth blessed that was mentioned, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are inviting everyone to come. The elders of Israel are now issuing the invitations to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Those who keep the commandments of the Lord and walk in his statutes to the end are the only individuals permitted to sit at this glorious feast. And that was Joseph Smith. Each week we are invited to feast at the table of the Lamb, the sacrament. This weekly event should prepare us for the marriage supper we have been invited to. So we need to, to take more seriously the, uh, the sacrament that we partake of each Sunday as a preparation for the second coming and the feast of the, of the Lamb. Verse 10, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See that thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have, been, have the testimony of Jesus. In other words, this angel is one of the prophets. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven opened, and, uh, and behold, a white, again, symbol of victory, horse, uh, and then I'll skip down to verse 14, uh, but I'll finish it here first in this verse. Others are on white horses, 
and he sat and he that sat upon him is called faithful and true these are names of Christ and in, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war he will destroy the destroyers verse 12 his eyes as a flame of fire and he had on his head many crowns in other words he's the king of kings and lord of lords and a name written that no man knew but himself in other words the new name is the key word and Jesus will also have a new name verse 13 and he is clothed with a vesture dipped in blood the blood of on Christ's clothing symbolizes at least three things the blood shed during the atonement the blood or sins of the wicked that he took upon himself and the blood of the unrepentant wicked he has slain in his wrath that's from uh, understanding the book of Revelation continuing verse 13 and his name is called the Word of God and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen fine linen white and clean again victorious because they've overcome because of the blood of the Savior symbolically Christ is spattered in blood while those who have been washed in his blood are made white and clean and also notice that uh, his vesture is in purple or in, in red and that's the the clothing that he will wear when he comes is going to be red uh, we'll read that later verse 13 and out of his mouth proceedeth the word of God and with it he will smite the nations and he will rule them with the word of his mouth and he treadeth the winepress in the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God remember he, he trod the winepress alone uh, I remember when I was in Israel we uh, we went to a place where there was an olive press and a wine press and the tour guide that we had Daniel Rona uh, or no it was his son Stephen uh, told us that when they when they walk in the wine vat they usually have two or three people so that they can hold each other up so that if one slips the others are there to kind of make sure he doesn't fall over but the Savior when he went in into the wine press of the atonement he went in all by himself verse 16 and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords the name would be prominent if the words are written on the thigh of someone riding a horse it may may have been written on his thigh or on the sword at his at his thigh Verse 17, and I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. So there were so many dead that the birds are invited to eat their dead corpses. So remember that there's two uh, feasts that are being that are being uh, in, that we are invited to, um, and he's talking here about the other feast. Uh, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all who fight against the lamb both bond and free both small and great this is the other feast we can either be in the marriage feast or that of the destruction of the wicked so you're either at the feast eating the feast or you're on the menu of the of the wicked verse 19 and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army and the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image these both were cast alive into a lake of fire and brimstone a lake of fire burning with brimstone a man is his own tormentor and his own condemner hence the saying they shall be they shall go into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone the torment of disappointment in the mind of man is an is as exquisite as a lake burning with fire and brimstone and that's Joseph Smith verse 21 and the remnant were slain with with the word of him that sat upon the horse which word proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh 
When Christ entered the city of Jerusalem, he rode humbly on an ass. When he returns to the city of Jerusalem, he'll be riding on a horse as a conqueror. And so that's the end of uh, chapter 19. Uh, let's go on to chapter 20 then, since we have some time here to fill up here. Let's do this one. We can get to maybe 20 minutes. Um, verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 1, and I saw an angel. We don't know the identity of the angel, but it might be Michael, who has a special commission to fight and defeat Satan. DNC 88, I'm sorry, Doctrine and Covenants 88, 112 says, we do not know that, or we do know that Michael is the seventh angel who is given the privilege of proclaiming the victory of the Lamb. Uh, continuing verse 1, come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. It's important to note that it is the angel who captures and binds the devil, not the inhabitants of the earth. But he, he remains bound because the people refuse to hearken to him. Nephi taught him because of the righteousness of his people, Satan has no power. Wherefore, he cannot be loosed for the space of many years, for he hath no power over the hearts of the people, for they dwell in righteousness, and the Holy One of Israel reigneth. President Kimball once said that we could bind Satan now. We don't have to wait for the millennium. If we just didn't obey what he says, then he would be bound. Verse 3, and cast him into the bottomless pit, or outer darkness, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him. In other words, this is priesthood power, not just the righteousness of the saints, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. Joseph Fielding Smith said, our Savior came in the meridian of time, that dispensation was almost halfway from the beginning of time to the end of time, anyone who desires can figure it out for himself that our Lord came about 4,000 years from the time of the fall. The millennium is to come sometime following the 2,000 years after his coming. Then there is to be the millennium for a 1,000 years and following that a little season, the length of which is not revealed, but which may bring time to its end about 8,000 years from the, from the beginning. And that's from Doctrines of Salvation. Latter-day Revelation gives additional details about what will transpire during that little season. Uh, section 88 says, And so on, until the seventh angel shall sound his trump, and he shall stand forth upon the land and upon the sea, and swear in the name of him who sitteth upon the throne, that there shall be time no longer. And Satan shall be bound, that old serpent, who is called the devil, and shall not be loosed for the space of a thousand years. And then he shall be loosed for a little season, that he may gather together his armies. And Michael, the seventh angel, even the archangel, shall gather together his armies, even the hosts of heaven. And the devil shall gather together his armies, even the hosts of hell, and shall come up to battle against Michael and his armies. And then cometh the battle of the great God, and the devil and his armies shall be cast away into their own place, that they shall not have power over the saints any more at all. For Michael shall fight their battles, and shall overcome him who seeketh the throne of him who sitteth upon the throne." even the lamb. So Satan will be bound, and then at the end, Michael will cast Satan into outer darkness at the end of the millennium. Verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of those of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. There apparently is a hierarchy of judgment in the time of the millennium. First is Christ himself, who rules over all and judges all. Serving under him, the twelve apostles from the Meridian Dispensation will judge the house of Israel. The house of Israel, in this context, apparently means those who are true Israel, those who are true to their covenants, as Joseph Smith learned by Revelation. 
and that's section 29. In addition, the Nephite 12 are given the charge to judge the seat of Lehi. The principle would suggest that there are other divinely appointed leaders of other peoples who also will judge those they serve. Missionaries will be given the responsibility to stand in judgment on those who reject them. And finally, all saints shall judge the world, understanding the book of Revelation that's from. Daniel has left us the assurance that when the Ancient of Days sits in that great council at Adam on Diamond, then that then judgment will be given to the saints of the Most High. Verse 5, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. In other words, the morning, the celestial, and afternoon is the terrestrial are the first resurrection. So there's a morning and an afternoon of the resurrection. Uh, the morning is the celestial and the afternoon is the terrestrial. And here's the fifth blessed that, he, that John mentions in verse 6. Blessed and holy are they who have part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall, have, they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the saints will reign upon the earth, but they won't necessarily live here. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Wickedness will set him loose. Fourth Nephi may be a type of letting Satan loose at the end of the millennium. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of, uh, of whom is as the sand of the sea. So at the end of the millennium, there will be those that are still mortals that are living on the earth, and there will be some of them that will become wicked to the point that they will be followers of Lucifer and that they will be gathered against the, the righteous here. Now, um, Gog is a, a name of a place, and Magog means the land of Gog. I'm sorry, Gog is the person, and Magog is the name of the land of that person. In, um, in Ezekiel 38 and 39, it mentions a, a city called Meshech, or, which is M-E-S-H-E-C-K. And in Hebrew, we know that there are no vowels in Hebrew, so you just have consonants. So if you had M-S-C is the name of the city, and you think about what's another city that's uh, over in Eastern Europe that, uh, that this might be referenced to, uh, that could be Moscow. Again, I don't know that that's true. It's just an idea, um, just a thought. Verse 9, And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the, ca the camp of the saints, in other words, Palestine about, and the beloved city, New Jerusalem, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them, and the false prophet let's see, and devoured them, verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white, in other words, uh, the Greek word here used may, may mean bright or gleaming. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. <clears throat> verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. That's a scripture mastery verse. <clears throat> Excuse me. Joseph Smith said that the books must be the books which, which contain the record of their works and refer to the records which are kept on the earth. And the other book, the book of life, which was the book, is the record which is kept in heaven. These are the rest of the dead, verse 5, the righteous have already been judged because they've been resurrected. Uh, the righteous will also likely stand before the judgment bar at the time, uh, but only to have their earlier judgment and blessing of glory confirmed. In other words, 
Uh, by the time you get resurrected, you've already had your judgment because the type of body that you receive is what type of resurrection you're going to have. So if you have a celestial resurrection, you'll have a celestial body, which will be determined at the time of your resurrection. So again, you're, once you're uh, resurrected, you've already been judged. But there's going to be a final judgment, which, which will be more of a formality than anything else. Let me just read you a couple things here from Joseph Smith. He said, The great parent of the universe looks upon the whole of the human family with a fatherly care and paternal regard. He views them as his offspring, and without any of those contracted feelings that influence the children of men, he will judge all men, not according to the narrow contracted notions of men, but according to the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or evil, or whether these deeds were done in England, America, Spain, Turkey, or India, he will judge them, not according to what they have not, but according to what they have. Those who have lived without law will be judged without law, and those who have a law will be judged by that law. He will, he will award judgment or mercy to all nations according to their several deserts, their means of obtaining intelligence, the laws by which they are governed, the facilities afforded them of, of, of obtaining correct information, and his inscrutable designs in relation to the human family. And when the designs of God shall be made manifest and the curtain of futurity be withdrawn, we shall all of us eventually have, in, have to confess that the judge of all the earth has done right. The wicked will fear the return of Christ for the final judgment for a thousand years. He is saying, you righteous dead, rise in resurrected glory. You wicked, stay until I come to you again. They will have great fear awaiting his judgment. And then verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. Now when it says that, the, that hell delivers up their dead, even those in the celestial kingdom, Will, will be forgiven eventually, that they will be washed clean, and that they will go into a kingdom of glory in the celestial kingdom, and that they will be delivered from hell. Uh, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death for heirs of salvation. Death and hell will be forever gone. And whosoever was found written in the book of life was cast in, was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Uh, he's talking here about the sons of perdition. Uh, for those that are sent to hell and await uh, the resurrection to go into the celestial kingdom will come out of hell and uh, go into the, to a kingdom of glory. I bear testimony of the truth of these things. Our goal, obviously, is to be in the celestial kingdom, not the celestial or terrestrial. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.